Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I heard it a hundred times and nobody explained what it was. Jellicles do. Jellicles. I had no idea, but uh, please cut all that out, Davis. Hello and welcome to What Went Wrong, your favorite podcast about what went wrong in some of your favorite and least favorite movies. Yes. The goal of this podcast is not to pile on these movies. Uh, It is simply to marvel at the fact that any of them made it to the screen at all because it is extremely difficult to get any movie made. And it's extremely difficult to get that movie that you made to be any good at all. Yeah. And we watched Cats. The best musical you never saw. It's amazing. If I'm trying to break it down, if I had to sum up the plot, I would say it's a series of cats introducing themselves and their ridiculous names in a sort of audition because they're all trying to be chosen by old Deuteronomy to be the next cat to ascend to the heavy side layer uh, for the chance at a new life, right? Sure. Okay. (laughs) I didn't understand anything that was happening this entire movie. Well, that's my best attempt at summing up Cats. So we saw it last night for the first time, and I know we're a little late to the party, but I'm glad we waited because we actually saw it at a rowdy screening at Alamo Drafthouse where people are going to essentially heckle and enjoy the movie. Um, And we'll get to Cats' path in that direction a little later in the episode. For those of you who may not know cats is one of the bigger box office bombs in recent history and of course we all saw rebel wilson and james corden get up at the oscars and basically make a joke at the vfx team's expense uh i'm gonna come out right at the top and say i don't think that's fair at all no i think the vfx were one of the only things that kind of worked in this movie the, well kind of yeah <laughs> the operative there where the there's kind of looked good for the most part, I thought. I was yes. impressed. Digital fur technology really changing the game. So my argument is that the first thing that went wrong is just trying to make a movie of cats. Like it's it's not meant to be translated to the screen. And a little bit of background on the musical here. It is a musical by uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yep. It premiered at the New London Theater in London's West End in 1981 and then moved to Broadway in 1982. Now it won three Tonys. And the original version ran for 18 years and 7,485 performances on Broadway. It was the longest running play on Broadway or musical on Broadway until another Andrew Lloyd Webber, The Phantom of the Opera, surpassed it. He had had three successful musicals prior to Cats, which were Jesus Christ Superstar, which premiered in 1970. 
Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which premiered in 1973. and Those then are basically it, the same musical. Sure. And then Evita in 1978. One important thing to note about those three musicals, however, is that Andrew Lloyd Webber was collaborating with Tim Rice as his lyricist for all three. Tim Rice is a super famous lyricist. You may know him as the lyricist who worked with Elton John for Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gets a lot of story into his lyrics, which is missing from this movie. Yes, he does. So something happens after Evita where Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber decide to at least temporarily part ways. Well, Andrew Lloyd Webber probably wanted to make cats and Tim Rice was like, I'm not going to do that with you. (laughs) I think that may be correct. Um, So Andrew Lloyd Webber, now without a lyricist, decides to turn to some source material for the Mm. lyrics for his next musical and naturally he turns to t.s Eliot's old possum's book of practical cats a book that weirdly <laughs> i own why <laughs> so when we made uh the movie i shot a uh, little over a year ago uh worm we uh named the production company that became the llc associated with the movie practical cats that's right and then the producer bought me t.s Eliot's whatever 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 book Mm -hmm. of practical cats is a gift i've never read it and now i will burn it i do want to read you a little excerpt from elliot's song of the jellicles which that word should sound familiar to you if you sat through cats because they sing it 85 times yeah i heard it a hundred times and nobody explained what it was jellicles do jellicle i have no idea but uh, maybe this will help jellicle cats are black and white jellicle cats as i said are small if it happens to be a stormy night they will practice a caper or two in the hall If it happens the sun is shining bright, you would say they had nothing to do at all. They are resting and saving themselves to be right for the jellical moon and the jellical ball. Now, when you hear that, do you think, boom, million dollar musical? (laughs) No, I thought it made a billion dollars. It made a lot of money as a musical. So jellical is not a word, obviously. Don't try to look it up. Um, But then they never explain what it's supposed to mean. No. In this, in this. No, but they are all headed towards a jellical ball. I don't. That's okay. It's fine. Uh, it's like saying a fruntacular car. Yeah, I have no idea what it is. Neither does Andrew Lloyd Webber. I don't think so. He said his mother used to read him T.S. Eliot's book as a child, uh, and also he had a cat a named Perseus mom. growing up. <laughs> and that's like that's the only explanation I can find for so his just like, love of cats. He's got some sort of Oedipal syndrome, and he's really trying to do well by his mom, and so he decides to make cats. I guess so. A little bit of history with the T.S. Eliot book is that Walt Disney had actually approached T.S. Eliot about turning the poems into a cartoon in the like 40s or 50s. T.S. Eliot said no. And his explanation was number one, he's smart. And number two, he said he worried that they would get quote, too pretty. Now cut to several years later, T.S. Eliot has uh, shuffled off that mortal coil Mm -hmm. and his widow just literally hands them out to the first person that shows up, which is Andrew Lloyd Webber. Great. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so when Andrew Lloyd Webber is trying to get people on board for the musical production in the West End, now he's written the score and he's like, he's playing it for a bunch of people he's trying mm-hmm. to get on board. They're all like, what the fuck is this? Uh, legendary choreographer Twyla Tharp was, quote, less than enthralled when it was played for her. And this is my favorite. Uh, major Broadway producer and director Hal Prince, who was um, a producer on West Side Story, Fiddler on the Roof. He was the director for the original version of Cabaret. And he actually had worked with Andrew Lloyd Webber before this. Plays him the score. And (laughs) Hal Prince goes, 
Andrew, I don't understand. Is this about English politics? Are those cats Queen Victoria, Gladstone, and Disraeli? He looked at me like I had lost my mind, and after the longest pause said, Hal, this is just about cats. It's <laughs> <laughs> an amazing quote. Well, so I think the lack of story is actually part of what ended up making it such a commercial success on Broadway. One of the things people tend to highlight when they talk about why they love Cats the Musical, because this is kind of the core of our episode here, Mm -hmm. is why was this thing that was such a commercial success on stage a complete bomb in theaters? And I was talking to a friend the other day who who genuinely loves um, Cats, and I asked why. Um, and he said that he he really loved it as a kid, that the mm-hmm. costumes were really cool, sure. and that when you see it in a live theater, it's an immersive, almost interactive theater experience. Do they just release cats into the audience? No, you don't. Okay, so when you actually go see cats in the theater, they like crawl and meow through the aisles <laughs> and like will sit on your lap if you're lucky. And like, I mean, it, you know, it's... Uh, I did find this. Do you know who Elaine Stritch was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for those who don't know, she's a Broadway legend. She also yeah. played Jack Donaghy's mom on Thirty Rock and she's, was she's so good, wonderful. Um, she saw Cats early on, and she just hated it. And she famously uh, shrieked, "Don't you touch me!" As the cats <laughs> crawled into it's the great. audience, <laughs> which great. I'm I'm right with her uh, on that one. But so there is kind of a theory that like the fact that there's it's just very interactive. It's very visual. Uh, there's no real plot. So there's nothing really to follow. No, so yeah. it became appealing to international tourists as well. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because you don't necessarily have to understand English. I didn't understand a word of it. No, it doesn't really matter. You're yeah. just watching them dance around in mm-hmm. a gigantic garbage heap. Correct. So that's that's actually part of the appeal. Like everything that seems like it should make it a disaster ended up making it so successful all of these things ended up being it's business like the blue, advantages blue man group yes. version of it yeah. yeah it's it's like the blue man group version of a musical right that's exactly what it is yeah so your criticism of the fact that it it doesn't have any plot is was the critics reaction to the original west end production the premieres were kind of a disaster mm-hmm. um andrew lloyd weber had taken out like a second mortgage on his house oh, for Jesus. this thing yeah no everybody was all in and it was like People were really worried that this was just going to be an absolute train wreck. However, everyone who invested in the original production of Cats, it is estimated that they eventually received a 3,500% return on their investment. Now, just to give you an idea of how much of a cultural phenomenon the uh, original production of Cats was, I would like to present an actual PSA from the U.S. Department of Transportation that really and truly aired on television in the 80s. Let's go ahead and just hear this audio and remember what you're hearing is coming from humans in cat outfits. An accident! An accident! An accident! The humans had an accident! There was a child in the car. A child! A child? A child? Cats have nine lives, children only one. Help them live that life. Buckle them into a car seat. No one wants a child to become a memory. Memory all alone in the moonlight. It's the best. Okay. Uh, let's cut this before we get sued by Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> uh, so this played before we saw the movie at Alamo Drafthouse Theater. Yes. It was absolutely 
mind-boggling because it is unironic the way that they do it and it is it's like you can see the memory thing coming from about a mile away and you just keep thinking to yourself there's absolutely no possible way that they're gonna they'll they're they're they, and then it happens yeah. and it's amazing yeah i have to say though more of a plot to that psa than to all of cats there is actually a beginning and a middle and an end yeah. with that uh psa so why anyone would think this should be a movie i mean this was at the time like the most successful musical yeah. so i think we can kind of excuse filmmakers and producers for thinking is there a way to make this a movie because like it's a hugely successful performance why would you not try to figure out a way to make it sure I mean, the answer is because there's no plot, which is why it doesn't translate. But if you've seen the Cats movie in theaters, you may have noticed the Amblin Entertainment logo before the movie started. I was very surprised. Yeah, well, there's a good reason for that. Um, In the early 1990s, Steven Spielberg, Amblin Entertainment, uh, had tried to launch an animated version of Cats, and this would have been under his now defunct animation company, Amblimation. (laughs) Pull it together, Chris. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Listen. Emblemation. Well, you know, they made Balto, which I really liked. Uh, Yeah, Balto was good. He wanted to make an animated version of Cats that would be set in World War II London during the Blitz. Sounds good. It's interesting. There's there's something very, like, post-apocalyptic about Cats as it is. So I think, actually, his version, had it been allowed to come to fruition would have worked in many ways. It would have released in 1997 had it happened, and they actually had Tom Stoppard writing the screenplay, which, uh, for those of you who may not know, he's a playwright and also mm-hmm. a screenwriter, uh, famous for Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, yep. Shakespeare in Love, right? Yeah. yeah. So he actually would have given it a story well, and made it good. And here is where we get to the rub of why this version did not happen. Steven Spielberg and Tom Stoppard were adamant that it needed to have some kind of through line. Anything. Anything. Some kind of plot to tie it together and make it make sense. Andrew Lloyd Webber is <laughs> adamantly anti-plot. At this point, he, because at this point, he bet everything on this play and everyone told him it wouldn't work. Yes. And then when it did, he was double middle fingers to the sky. <laughs> yes. Fuck up everyone i have fuck you money now mm-hmm. i don't need steven spielberg he sucks cats rules like yes. yeah okay that is essentially what happened he yeah. they were trying and also your point about it being wall-to-wall music yeah they were trying to get some dialogue in there and andrew lloyd weber is like just, nope more i don't know how long music. the movie versus the show was but yeah it's just it's i think re- the show is longer no breathing room it's rough uh Anyway, eventually Steven Spielberg loses interest for obvious reasons. And I imagine it's Tom Stoppard just being like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> which when you have a truly amazing uh, screenwriter and playwright bailing, it should tell you something. Uh, they lost interest. And then after the box office failure of Balto, which is actually a personal favorite animated movie, Spielberg shuttered Amblimation and Cats was shuttered with it. You can see some of the original concept art for his version of Cats, and it's actually pretty cool. So I would say go ahead and look that up. Um, Now, immediately after this, with Amblimation shuttered, the rights are back on the table. Universal, who Spielberg had a pretty good relationship with, snapped up the film rights to Cats. And who now, uh, Amblin exists under Universal's envelope now. So that explains why you're seeing that logo. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what involvement they actually had in this iteration of Cats, but it would make sense that it would be there considering the earliest development was with Amblin. 
And so when Universal buys the rights, so that's probably late 90s or early 2000s. Oh, right? it's right after. It's like so 1998. Yeah. So that means every year they're paying to renew those rights unless they get, did some sort of perpetuity deal, which would that's be insane. super expensive. That's insane. Like, so that why they would are they sit just on sitting it for 20 on 20 years. Well, so they sit on it until 2013. Mm. And this is when Andrew Lloyd Webber teases that Cats the movie is back in action at Universal after that's what, like 15 years 15 of years, sitting on the yeah. shelf? Yeah. So 2013, we're getting the first inklings that, okay, something is back in action. No idea exactly what it is, um, if it's going to be animated or what. Mm -hmm. Now cut to 2016, Tom Hooper is confirmed as the director. Who is Tom Hooper? The King's Speech. Yeah, which he won the Oscar for. And Les Miserables. Yeah, huh? Les Miserables and The Danish Girl. The Danish Girl, that's right. Yeah. So now... Prestige director. Yes. The last three movies that Tom Hooper has made... All of his lead actors have won Oscars. Yeah. Like, think about yeah. that. And uh, King's Speech, did that win Best Picture that year? I think it did. And yeah. it's a great movie. It's so great that's movie. Colin Firth wins for that one. He wins yeah. Best Director. Yep. Uh, Les Miserables, obviously, Anne Hathaway wins. That's right. And that is a musical, of yeah. course, which is yeah. important. Um, I liked it. It's good. And yep. then The Danish Girl, for which yep. both Eddie Redmayne and, and Alicia Vikander get Oscars. That's right. Yeah. So why wouldn't? people want to sign up for Tom Hooper's next movie. It's it's uh, it's impossible to get more than like three movies in a row be g- great in Hollywood. And yeah, so. I think he, he had this one coming. Yeah. Um, and I also think because he had done Les Miserables in a way that was considered very successful and very, mm-hmm. he, like, It was a very cinematic ap- adaptation of right. the musical. Yeah, so I think he kind of got carte blanche for this. But he has a... a a bit of a reputation for not understanding technical limitations coming into a project. Oh. Because when he did Les Miserables, well, that makes sense. my understanding is he didn't fully understand why they needed to do it to a click track or backing music with an earpiece in the actor's ears. So he allowed the actors to sing freestyle on no beat. And they had to comp the score in afterwards and Whoa. follow the rhythm set by the actors. Well, what, that's funny because they actually spun that as kind of a positive thing when they, it got to the promotion they of were, it. They said like this is all and all every singing sound, live. Every sound person involved in the project, my understanding, was losing their mind okay. because of that. Well, so he's got a pattern of behavior then because we'll we'll kind of get into what happened similarly with cats. Um, but I, I think the point that like his actors tend to win awards is important to remember when you are asking yourself why these people signed on for this oh, yeah. movie. Tom Hooper is an amazing director. Let's just be clear. He's an incredible director. Yeah, he is. He's made some incredible movies. His actors have won multiple Oscars. Yeah, an actor in a musical of his won an Oscar. Correct. So I don't blame any of these people for signing up. Um, so let's get into the cast a little bit. You have Taylor Swift as yep. Bomba Lorena. Uh, and by the way, she actually had screen tested uh, for Eponine in Les Miserables and didn't get it. So even more incentive for her to want mm-hmm. to be a part of this one. Um, we have Jennifer Hudson as Grizabella, Only the glamour the cat, sort of. I mean, yeah, she she did an amazing <laughs> job singing voice. Memory. Yeah. There is a really weird moment where after she's done singing Memory the first time, she all of a sudden just drops down on all fours and like she's in some kind of werewolf movie skitters off down an alley (laughs) that's not her fault it was really weird uh also a lot of snot acting from jennifer hudson in this but again she does an amazing job of singing and one thing about her character grizabella does not appear in t.s Eliot's book 
that cat character and the poem that ended up inspiring memory, which is arguably the only reason that this musical is worth sort of paying attention to. It is a great song. Um, that was a discovery that Andrew Lloyd Webber made after T.S. Eliot's widow just let him paw through all the poet's <laughs> unfinished manuscripts. Andrew Lloyd Webber molesting the, yeah, the work of T.S. Eliot's Eliot. just whirling in his grave. Yeah. Um, and by the way, T.S. Eliot thought that Grizabella was too depressing for kids, which is why he left it out. Yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, core of my musical. Yeah, great. <laughs> CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Uh, okay, who else we got here? We have Jason Derulo. I'm so sorry. Jason Derulo as Rum Tum Tugger. I don't know who he is. You do. Way. That's the person that when we no, were no, watching I, I know it, you were like, movie. who is this? No, I know in the movie who he is. He has an intense sexual energy, but <laughs> yes. I didn't know who Jason Derulo was. He's, uh, he's you know, just like always auto. T- it's that guy. It's the, He always says his own name. And I, it's... I literally had no idea who he was before we did this. Okay. Uh, we have James Let's Corden. Let's talk about him for a few more minutes. <laughs> David's mad. Uh, James Corden as Bustafer Jones. Rebel Wilson as Jenny Any Dots. Also a Gumby cat. Okay. Let's keep going. We'll get back to that. Idris Elba as McCavity. Sir Ian McKellen as Gus the Theater Cat. Poor sweet uh, newcomer ballerina Francesca Hayward. And of course, Dame Judi Dench as old Deuteronomy. Okay. So uh, it has an incredible cast. And incredible it has Tom cast. Hooper. It has an Academy Award winning director who yep. has been incredibly successful with a musical. Now we get to January 2018 and Tom Hooper starts looking into whether the movie should be entirely live action or entirely CGI or both. Unfortunately for all, he went with both. Indeed. <laughs> Yes, he did. Uh, Also in 2018, Anne Hathaway, fresh off of her Oscar for Les Mis, passes on a role in the film due to scheduling conflicts, which uh, there's a lot of people that leave this movie due to scheduling conflicts. Now, rehearsals begin with the cast in place. The choreographer drops out and they wind up with Andy Blankenhuber, who is no slouch. He is responsible for the choreography in Hamilton, among other things. But he is being pulled in last minute on the project. Sure. Principal photography begins December 12th, 2018 and wraps April 2nd, 2019. This was always going to be a VFX heavy movie. They're using motion capture on all the actors. Some of the sets have to be digitally created. Mm -hmm. They keep throwing around the phrase digital fur technology like it means something. Right. Planned release for the film was December 20th, 2019. And the first trailer was set to drop July 18th. 
mm-hmm. giving the poor VFX team less than three months to work on this before the trailer dropped. This is like borderline avatar levels of CGI that they oh, need in this movie. Yes. Yeah. It's like, or like War of Planet of the Apes, like any of the Planet yes. of the Apes movies where they're replacing them entirely. That's what right. this looks like because it's all the fur. So three months is... It's nuts. Um, No. So the VFX teams behind the movie were Technicolor subsidiaries MPC, who, by the way, were also responsible for John Favreau's The Lion King, which had come out in July, and Mill Film. Now, Mill Film is the first to start tackling the project, and they are basically handed... uh, It's estimated like what would have or should have been about a year and a half's worth of work and asked to finish it in six months. Yep. It's also worth noting that The Lion King started principal photography in mid-2017, it did not release until July 2019. Mm-hmm. Two years start to finish versus Cats, which gave their team one year. One year, yeah. Yeah. So why are they trying to hit this crazy deadline? Well, the studio is insistent that they hit this deadline of December 20th because Cats has to drop in time to be eligible for what, Chris? Oscars! Oh, yeah. It had to be submitted for consideration by November 15th and had to premiere before December 31st in order to remain eligible. But it would be like me planning a trip to the 2024 Olympics <laughs> for any event <laughs> on the assumption that I would somehow qualify. But it just goes to show you it's incredibly difficult for... So if a studio, they plan their calendar, you know, years in advance. Mm-hmm. And so when they have these big tent poles, they have two... Op- like they set a stake or they just dump it in January. Like right. I think Universal did Doolittle also. Yes. And so that was one where they had probably planned on it premiering earlier. Yeah, that one did push. And then they reshot and then they just dumped it. We will actually probably get to that uh, on a later episode. But so there is a Reddit thread floating around out there with some folks claiming to have worked on the VFX for this movie. And, you know, who knows if it's 100% true. I It seemed awfully accurate and from a <laughs> first person and emotional perspective. Um Basically, it was in response to, honestly, Rebel Wilson and James Corden coming out at the Oscars and kind of crapping on the VFX team. Because, like, the reality is when you look at the timeline that they had, they did not have a chance. So according to that thread, uh, the teams were intending to use motion capture for most of the movie, which explains why when we see the behind the scenes featurette, they're in the green suits with Mm -hmm. the balls all over them and everything. However, a lot of what they received ends up not being usable. So... They end up having to roto-animate most of the movie. So just to be clear, so the way that motion capture works, there are these gray balls on these suits that the actors wear. Mm -hmm. They use a special camera that can pick up those balls and then interpolate those inside the computer to a model Mm -hmm. that then moves with the exact motion that the actor is doing. Right. And then just so you know, because I actually didn't know this and had to look it up for this, but roto animation is where animators trace over motion picture footage frame by frame to draw on a realistic animation. There are 24 frames in one second. Right. So imagine for an over two hour long movie and recent examples uh, of what this looks like, a scanner darkly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then going back to as far as Snow White, they actually were tracing over a live actress for that, Mm -hmm. which is why the movement in that movie is so different from Mm -hmm. a lot of other earlier cartoons and really is incredible when you look at it. But it is not a time-saving measure. Um, This is something that is done when you don't have another option and they had to be able to essentially paint the fur on these bodies. And so I think when people think of VFX, a lot of times they think that the computer is doing the work. Yeah, it's not In, In reality, with almost all VFX except for fluid simulation and air simulation, 
you have an 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 animator hand animating everything that you're seeing on the screen and motion capture is what saves you a lot of time there right and when you lose it you're really back to the days of i'm gonna draw it's like drawing in a flip book you know every single page the movement yeah uh it also should be noted that after working on Cats and the Lion King, MPC's Vancouver VFX house, where most of this work was done, was forced to shut down. Yes. Um, because VFX has become so ubiquitous across pretty much every movie at this point, there's some required. There are so many VFX houses, it's become an extremely competitive market. And the way that you compete in a competitive market, or at least the way it's happening, is that these companies are just trying to give the lowest bids every time, sometimes even giving a bid lower than they need to break even in order Mm -hmm. to just get the job. Correct. Um, And there are a lot of VFX houses now outside of other countries, especially developing countries, where their minimum wage is drastically lower than the United States. A lot of the workers, most of the workers are not unionized. Mm -hmm. Um, They end up pulling 17-hour shifts to try to hit these massive deadlines set by the studios. And it's just, it's a nightmare. So they have to shut down. And I think that's because of the, the... how taxing these two projects were, but I can't imagine that Cats was um, a fun time. Okay, so we've now hit the summer. The studio does a massive media push, and for some reason, they feel confident that they have a viable product on their hands, so they release a behind-the-scenes featurette on July 17th. Mm -hmm. Then on July 18th, they release the trailer. And what would you say the reaction to the Cats trailer was? Um... 90% 90% depression slash uh, just cognitive dissonance, 10% arousal. Okay, great. That's that's about right, I think. Uh, no one liked it. it people yeah. were upset. People were all over Twitter just crapping on the trailer. So in response to those reactions, uh, Universal now instructs MPC to go back and take over from Mill Film and to adjust some things. For example, they made Bustopher Jones's mustache larger and, quote, more comical. Chris, do you feel like that worked? I hate James Corden now. Okay. Um, so this is the same VFX house that handled the reworking of Sonic after that trailer dropped. Mm-hmm. So they've done it before. But it should be noted that Sonic pushed its release date back to fix the character by a lot. And they were only fixing one character. Katz mm-hmm. continues to insist that they hit their December 20th deadline and that the animators address all of the cats, which is insane. There are like 100 cats in this movie. There are so many cats. Uh, Tom Hooper admits that the movie isn't finished until 48 hours before its premiere in London and that he had worked 36 hours straight to get it done. So if Tom Hooper worked 36 hours straight, imagine what those poor VFX artists were going through. Yep. The hard thing with VFX too, to Tom Hooper's credit, you don't know if you're if you're going to like it as right. the director and ultimate decision maker until you see it. And they've already done so much work on it. And so it, it, it's a brutal cycle. So the film premiered on December 20th, and it only made $2.6 million on its opening day. Overall, on its opening weekend, it makes $6.6 million. Now, that's $6.6 million on a budget of roughly $100 million. And they reportedly spent somewhere around $115 million on marketing. So, Not uh, good. <laughs> sometimes I think folks have the misconception that making your budget back means simply making at the box office what the movie costs to make and promote. So, if the movie costs 
let's say roughly $200 million to make and promote, it needs to gross $200 million worldwide. So obviously $6.6 million would be terrible. Well, the reality is you actually need to roughly gross double worldwide what it costs to make and promote your movie because you're splitting with the distributor. So Cats needed to make $400 million worldwide to be profitable. And it started off in its first weekend at $6.6 million. So the movie has come out. Uh, it's been out for a week. Uh, Hooper's not done, though. In an unprecedented move... They... And, it, and it released to pretty bad reviews also. Oh, so, very bad, yes. So similar critical responses the musical got. Yes, but this one was not going to recover uh, with audience support. So they keep working on the effects up until a week after its release when Universal sends theaters a new version of the film. Now, a source told The Hollywood Reporter that, quote, there were no content changes, I don't think, uh, explaining that the additional week of work was about refining mostly small things, refining the amount of the actress performance you might see, refining lighting, refining integration, end quote. Now that refining they're talking about, a lot of it involved removing the actor's human hands <laughs> that were just sticking out of their cat suits. It was fine. No, it was insane. They have human hands. They have human feet with all five toes and like, uh, I, it it's just, really didn't they're like hobbit me. feet. Are you kidding? It, it was really, the most it, upsetting part of the movie to me. It didn't. I was fine with it. Also, the amount of times they showed the feet, like it didn't There's need. a lot of feet shots. There's a lot of feet. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Tarantino loved it. Um, it's bizarre. So they send out a quote unquote better version, which like at that point, what are you doing? The movie is what it is. Yeah. Leave it alone. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now, prior to its debut, Cats had made the Oscars shortlist for VFX. But six days after premiering, so on December 26th, Universal pulled it from their For Your Consideration page and removed the film from the For Your Consideration streaming service. Six days. And this whole thing was because they were trying to hit the deadline to be eligible for an Oscar. And they pull it after six days. And they abused their VFX team, which yes. was the only one, only category that it had made a short list yes. for. To the point where the, the VFX house had to shut its doors. Yeah. And now the VFX team seemed to take the brunt of the mockery yeah. for the film, which is unfair which is because they didn't choose unfair. the look. No. Uh, and by the way, one of the, I think something that people respond to about being so weird in this movie is that unlike, you know, 
on stage where they do some makeup on the cats to or the people to make them look like cats there was no adjustment to the human features in this no that yeah that was striking there was no like nose change they just their ears were now cat ears and they put whiskers on some of them yeah on some of them and that was it and it was just it was like a serial killer had like cut the face off of the person and Mm -hmm. glued it to a humanoid cat bodysuit yeah and it got worse when they moved away from cats into other animals yeah chris talk about our favorite part of the movie so there's a part of the movie where rebel wilson is dancing Uh and all of a sudden behind her uh a curtain pulls back and it's revealed that there is a band full of mice inside but the mice are the wrong size (laughs) everything is the wrong size so the mice are relative to the cats the same size that a mouse would be to a human yes so the mice are way too small they're so small but instead of using adult faces on the mice they use the faces of children on they? the mice. So it looks like you have these cut-off oh, no. Teletubby face children yeah. on the mice. And it's heavily implied that they're literally singing for their lives because only if Rebel Wilson likes their performance will she not eat them. She, it was like human-faced cockroaches yeah. being eaten and like screaming as, yes. they're, as she's in the middle of a song about how fat she is. It was the weirdest... <laughs> thing it was the worst sequence of the movie no it was the best sequence of the movie. sure it was the worst and the best i mean there were so many parts of it that verged on horror yeah it was just like a really weird supposed to be funny Mm -hmm. sequence that was horrifying yeah and they're also like all slimy and um (sighs) that part of the movie was terrifying um according to box office mojo cats worldwide gross to date what do you think chris Oh, I have no idea. Uh, worldwide? Worldwide. 75 million? Wow, you're so close. It is 72 million. Oh, wow. Yeah. Again, on a $100 million budget with an under $115 million spent on marketing. Uh, It'll have a long life with well, like, VOD and stuff. Because this, this, this is going to become a, a cult movie. If you can embrace the insane nature of the movie, it's yeah. absolutely worth seeing. Um, I think it's really disorienting watching yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's why... Like, I... I texted my friend after we saw it and I was like that was the best thing I've ever seen and she was like what's wrong with you I walked out of the theater and I think it's because she saw it in a serious yeah if I had seen it expecting to see a movie yeah I would have walked out because there's no story there's nothing to latch on to in the first 15 minutes no well it's nothing to latch on to in a full two hours I would say right um yeah, so there may be a happy ending to this, which is that it really could have a second life as a cult classic, and I think it should. Um, oh, absolutely. Now, it did receive a Golden Globe nomination for Best Original Song for Taylor Swift's collaboration with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Beautiful Ghosts. Remember that oh, banger, yeah. Chris? I do. Yeah. Uh, however, it was also nominated for nine Razzies, including a Worst Actress for Francesca Hayward. Which, which is unfair. sad. Yeah. But that, so to the legacy of this movie, right? So... It's becoming this cult classic. Well, here's something I I hope happens. Because, you know, within less than two months of this thing premiering, Taylor Swift had already referred to it as that weird-ass film. As we've said, everybody's distancing themselves from it. Yeah, they're all stepping back from it. Corden and Wilson make a jab at the VFX. I hope that those people come around the other way and start supporting this as what it should be, which is a cult classic, honestly, potentially closer to the room than to uh, Rocky Horror. Yeah. It's something that is just unlike anything you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I really hope, I hope they recoup their investment here because this was such a weird move for them to make. Uh, and you know, God, I hope they do it again. 
when you make a movie, you have no idea what it's going to turn out. You know, yeah. like they have no way of seeing the VFX on on uh, the days that they're shooting with motion no. capture. That being said, they've seen the musical, presumably. Right. They read the script. Like right. you couldn't have expected this to be more comprehensible than no. it was. It was it was what it was. And um, but I don't know. I, I don't think this for the actors like this would be career altering it shouldn't be it shouldn't be like you should be allowed to do a weird fun musical and have it be a bomb that people end up loving like i go see cats just go see it it's it's not not a good time (laughs) i had a blast yeah to me really the only thing that really went wrong is cats is is the source material and i would just say to everybody involved uh to me what went right i really enjoyed most of the vfx the cockroaches creeped me out um, but I really did enjoy most of them. I thought most of the performances were really pretty charming and I were would great. Agree. Uh, the other thing, I thought the dancing was really cool, but the problem I had, and I think that hindered the movie, is because the cats look CGI, yep. the dancing doesn't feel quite real. In the yeah. same way that like, if you watch an animated fight scene, mm-hmm. it doesn't have the same impact as if you watch two real people fighting in a room. Yeah, it became significantly less impressive, which is too bad because they had some of the best dancers in the world in this And movie. if you watch the behind the scenes video, you're yeah. like, this oh dancing is amazing. Right. I mean, the Francesca Hayward is an unbelievable ballerina. They yep. also had Les Twins, who yeah. you may know from uh, Beyonce's yeah. Coachella, as well as other Beyonce tours. And they're amazing. And they came out and uh, I was just like, oh, break dancing cats. Yeah, because like, it, it lowered know. the stakes of the dancing in a, in a significant way. Yeah. Which is too bad. But I would just say to everyone involved that didn't write it, great job. It will only help you appreciate the craftsmanship and storytelling of your favorite movies when you can see something that's such a distant miss <laughs> yeah in comparison and also this has now become a cultural moment so go be a part of it don't miss out absolutely don't just you know crap on the trailer online no get out there and actually watch it and you then you Reddit can do whatever trolls, you want and then you can crap on the trailer thanks again guys for listening to what went wrong if there are any movies you would like us to tackle please hit us up over email or on instagram check the show notes for how to reach us on those platforms last but not least just remember that uh every movie is a miracle and this one was a true gift thank you tom hooper <laughs> thanks tom <laughs> What Went Wrong is a Sad Boom podcast presented by Lizzie Bassett and Chris Winterbauer. Editing and music by David Bowman with cover art from Uthana Uos. 